Truth. How do we discover it? How do we understand it? And how do we apply it? These foundational questions of life can be answered in the pages of God's Word, the Bible. Through the systematic study of Scripture, we seek to equip women with a growing understanding of truth, which only comes by knowing the God of all truth. This is the Theology Matters Podcast. Welcome to the Theology Matters Podcast. I am Laura Corumbus, and I am here today with Bethany Drum and Marty Crabtree, and we are talking about the Holy Spirit, pneumatology. If that's a new word to you, uh, it, it was to me too. I was going to say it was a new word to me <laughs> until not that long ago, uh, yeah. or I'd heard it and had no idea what they were talking about. Yes. So pneumatology is the word, and it is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So we're excited to get into that today. And we're we're going to kick off with a little a little icebreaker question. So I asked, can you think of a time in your life when you needed help or that you've given help to someone else? So I volunteered to go first to answer the question, but I was thinking, I mean, I I kind of came up with a question just recently. And so last week, it was all chronicled on Facebook. So I think you guys saw it. But my kids decided that they wanted to make cupcakes. Oh, yes. By themselves. And they're Which 10 and 8. I applaud you, Mama, for <laughs> letting them cook it by was, themselves. Uh, I went in with. That was epic. With the, <laughs> it was epic. I went in with the like low expectation of. This is going to be a disaster, and I'm going to have to clean up for a week, but it's going to be okay. So anyway, they wanted to do it actually with no help. So this is almost like a no help story. And so I did. I went over to the living room. I sat there until they said, Mom, we ran out of baking powder. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dear, this is not good. This is not good at all. And so they had put in uh, one and a half cups of baking powder. I, I was actually thinking about that, and I'm surprised you had one and a half well, cups of baking powder. That's how I knew that there was an issue that they had run out. Yeah. I was thinking how, and I had just bought, of course, a new one, so there probably was about a cup and a half. So anyway, we I went in and said, no, we're going to have to start over. So they figured out, oh, one and a half teaspoons. It couldn't have even been one and a half tablespoons. It had to be one and a half cups. So that was the time when... I sort of um, forced my help <laughs> upon someone else. And it, they did. It turned out okay in the end. But, yeah, that was a helping, funny helping story for me. They'll be great cooks. You have helped, <laughs> eventually. Them, you have helped them along the uh, way. They will eventually. Yeah, what about you guys? Did you think of a story? Well, I did. But mine's not funny. But uh, I remember it's been almost seven years ago that I had a knee replacement. And um, it is... It is not a small thing. And I had heard that it was very painful and all that bit. And everything that I was told was correct. And so I found myself at home a couple of days after the surgery. And I just, I couldn't do anything for myself, really. I couldn't really get out of the chair, couldn't walk, certainly couldn't make dinner. And so people brought things to us. I had a friend come into town to help take care of me. And I really didn't like it very much. But it was a great lesson for me in not being in control and allowing other people 
to help me um, and to realize that I'm not autonomous, don't need to be autonomous, but that uh, that is a gift that God gives us sometimes to put us in a situation where we can't do things for ourselves. And so, uh, and and it's a good, good lead into our talk about the Holy Spirit because in the spiritual world, we can't do anything without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to ask for help sometimes. Um, yeah, mine's the thing, thing I thought of. Mine's not that funny either, but this was a number of years ago. And um, so I had flown, my mother had to have surgery in Florida. So I had flown down on a Sunday evening um, to help her with her surgery that she was having the next day. And at the same time that day, this was back when my husband Dave was traveling a lot, and he flew out that day to Australia. So, and Australia is like, like when he flew out, that means he was going to literally be flying for the next right. 23 or 24 hours. And in the middle of the night, I got a phone call in Florida, and it was my um, one son, Nathan, uh, who both my sons have Crohn's disease, and he was having a bowel obstruction. <laughs> and so I had to call, um, which is extremely painful, and needed to go to the hospital. So um, so I called my dear friends, the traffickants, <laughs> in the middle of the night, and they went and picked him up and took him to the hospital. And, of course, like I said, Dave is literally flying. I couldn't even talk to him. And my mom was having surgery, so I didn't feel like I could just turn around and come back. So the next day at the hospital, um, just different people from the church, so he wouldn't be by himself. Like, I think Jim Trafficant worked from his, from Nathan's room for the morning. I remember Barrett Hill came over and just sat in there with him, someone else. I think maybe Kathy Tubb came at one point. I mean, just like I didn't orchestrate all of this. It was just, it was just literally the church, the body of Christ, just coming and sitting in his room or sitting outside his room, just so he wouldn't be alone um, when neither of us could be there. So that that was that was pretty neat to see. That is sweet. It was a sweet. It was that a sweet thing. very sweet. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and it, you know, it goes right into our discussion about the Holy Spirit because yeah, the Holy Spirit that's is the Holy called Spirit. our helper. Yes, right? he is. And I definitely needed help. I was definitely in a situation, you know, I didn't feel like there's anything I could do. And, yeah, and I think it's the Holy Spirit working in other people's lives to um, prompt them to go— <laughs> sit in Nathan's room or outside his door. So, yeah, that was that was sweet, as you would say, Marty. So, so let's just launch into this discussion about the Holy Spirit. And the first question is just a simple one, and that is, who is the Holy Spirit? Laura? Yeah, so I'll kick us off. I, I did the first part of our teaching on, on the person of the Holy Spirit, and I mean, the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third member of the Trinity. Um, he is equal in terms of his nature and his power and his glory to the Father and the Son. 
um, and he is to be worshiped together with them. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit, um, you know, it's important to think of him as a person and not just a force that is out there, um, but he is actually a person who um, also does works that Marty will talk about a little bit later. Yes. Um, so one of the things I think helps sum it up, we've talked about the Nicene Creed a lot on this podcast and in the class. And the Nicene Creed, what it says about the Holy Spirit, um, says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, and who has spoken through the prophets. And so that gives us just a good uh, example of who he is and what he does. Um, and the Holy Spirit and the word we said pneumatology might have been a new word, um, but that comes from the Greek word pneuma, which means spirit or wind or breath. And so that's kind of the idea of, of this spirit who moves um, and works in our lives and works in the world. And so that's kind of where we we got kicked off in our in our discussion of the Holy Spirit. Next question that comes to my mind is, well, why do we believe this um, about the Holy Spirit, and what evidence is there in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is a person? And all the things you said. Yeah. So when we talk about the personhood of the Holy Spirit, I I said, you know, it's it can be tricky to wrap our minds around the Holy Spirit being a person because when we think about the three members of the Trinity, we have the Father and the Son, which are sort of easy to visualize. You know, we we all have a Father, <laughs> you know, that sort of a thing. But the Holy Spirit is a little bit harder, which is why. Um, you know, there are, are some people who believe that he is an it and not a he, and that he mm. is just a kind of ethereal force that moves in the world, but not an actual person. That's but, a really good distinction to ter- in terms of thinking. It's a he, not it. Yeah. Yes. So you will even see um, some teachings. I think maybe Jehovah's Witnesses are one that might say that the Holy Spirit is an it. And so we would definitely want to stay away from that uh, sort of language. So if we're talking about personhood, um, one of the the definitions that I found when I was researching all of this was that, you know, there are kind of these three basic characteristics of personhood. There's cognition or intellect, there's volition and will, and there's emotion or affection. And so we can see in the scripture that the Holy Spirit has all three of those characteristics. And so um, I'm just going to read you a couple couple scriptures. So um, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13, there are a lot of words in here that point to the Holy Spirit's um, intelligence. Again, not just a random force, but a person who has intelligence. So I'll read this to you and you can hear some of these words. Um, it says, these things, which is referring to the secret and hidden wisdom of God, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, 
but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so we hear a lot of words like revealed, searches, comprehends, taught, interpreting, all of those things are true of the Holy Spirit um, and point to the fact that he is a person. Um, So that's one of them. And then, you know, we also hear about the Holy Spirit has this volition or this will. And I think one of the one of the big parts in Acts is when it talks about how um, in Paul's mis- missionary journeys, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit or the Spirit did not allow them to go to certain places. So he is a person who has this will and will direct people in the way that he would have them go. Yeah, like he directed Jesus to go into the wilderness. Yes. It's the same, mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, and then... Also, we read in Scripture about how the Holy Spirit has these emotions. And, you know, when we talk about God having emotions, we we do have to remember that He doesn't experience emotions like we do. So our emotions are, they change from day to day based on what's happening around us. Um, They're usually responsive to what's happening, things that are outside of our control, but God's emotions are always in perfect harmony with his attributes. Mm -hmm. And so his emotions are holy, they're immutable, they're in control at all times. He's never surprised by anything because he's omniscient. And so um, his emotions are not are not like ours in that way. So it's always a good thing to say if you're talking about emotions. But it does talk about in Scripture how um, the Holy Spirit uh, grieves, you know, over sin. And so he does have that personal relationship as well where he grieves over our sin and he feels those things. So I think those were kind of the three main ways that we talk about um, that the Holy Spirit is a person and not just an impersonal force. Yeah, and he's the third person of the Godhead. So what does the Bible say about the deity of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, so when we get to the deity of the Holy Spirit, um, we see that the Spirit shares in the attributes of God. And so he has these incommunicable attributes, which if you listen to our episode on God, (laughs) just on theology proper, Um, we talked about how God has these incommunicable attributes that are true only of him. They can't be true of us as well. These are things like his um, omniscience and his omnipotence and his um, eternality. And so the Bible points to specific places where the Holy Spirit has those attributes, and they can only be true of God. So those are... um, just pointing us to the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. He can't be anything else but God. Um, and, you know, in John as well, I know Marty is is teaching through John, the Gospel of John right now, and we looked at John 14 through 16 um, about Jesus' last words to his disciples. And Jesus says that he's going to send another helper. And in the commentaries that I read, that was speaking to the point that Jesus is saying he's sending another helper as in of the same kind. So he's equating 
you know, his deity with the deity of the Holy Spirit, who the Father and the Son are going to send together as another helper. Well, um, so I have a question for you. This is off script. But, dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but talking about the deity, somebody asked me this recently and they said, is it wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit? And we talked about, you know, the fact that, you know, the Lord's Prayer is fashioned at, you know, after, you know, our praying to the Father. Um, but they are like, is it wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit? And I have my thoughts on that, but I'm going to, since we're talking about the deity of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to just lob that out there for the two of you. Well, I would say yes, absolutely. And it's certainly something that I do or try to make sure that I'm faithful about doing that every time I open the Bible to study, to ask the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk about it in just a minute, how he um, is the author of Scripture in in a certain sense. And, and so who better to ask to uh, open the meaning of God's Word than the Holy Spirit? So... Yes, it is just fine to pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, in general, I think, you know, in praying with the Trinity, because I've been thinking about this a bit myself, you, I think you have to think in terms of what it is that you're asking. Because we ask certain things of God the Father, and we ask certain things of God the Son based on their their personhood within the Trinity. And the personhood of the of the Spirit is that he's, you know, Jesus said that he would uh, reveal Scripture to us and, and guide us uh, to the things he said. So that is consistent with his his role in the Trinity. That That's what I said to them. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Yay um, and as far as, you know, they'd asked specifically about, you know, the Lord's Prayer, and I'm like, well, that's, that's also, I, I like your point about thinking about what you're praying for, and that might direct, but also uh, the Lord's Prayer is a model for us, and so it, it's a model, so that doesn't mean that you know, we all prayers are going to be exactly like that anyways. Um, so, well, yeah. I just thought that fit in and I yeah, actually, thought I'd that. Yeah, a question that we got from oh, really? someone in the class. And oh, we were okay. trying to decide how are we going to answer that. So now we'll tell them okay, we I answered it on answered the podcast. I didn't realize that. That was just a question that came up with a conversation with yeah. someone and they asked me that. Yep, yep. So. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. That's what I would have said too. And I think that's important to say, you know, that the, the members of the Trinity do have sort of different roles. And so you wouldn't pray and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for dying on the cross, you know, Correct. so good point, you know, you, you wouldn't be necessarily asking Jesus to illuminate the scripture because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. So again, if you, if you did that, you know, you're praying to the Lord and you're being sincere in your worship, but there are definitely ways to do it that are just more accurate, I think. Yeah. Good. I don't think there are points taken away if you, exactly. you know, mention exactly the wrong member of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. I mean, God loves us and yeah. he just wants to hear from us. Exactly. But we want to speak about God Indeed. accurately. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. That's why we're doing this podcast in class. So, okay. Well, Marty, let's turn to you. Um, what do we mean then when we talk about the works of the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, the works of the Holy Spirit, as I think about them just in general, what He uh, is, is what He does. And 
he is called the comforter, and so he comforts. That's part of what he he does, that he is this spirit of life, and so he gives life, and he's the helper, and so, and so he helps. And so um, that the things that he does are intertwined with who he is. You really can't separate those. And, and because the Holy Spirit is, is God in the sense of being the third member of the Trinity, um, his work is intertwined with the will of the Father and the work of the Son in that sense also. You know, and, and I wanted to mention just in general, as I was thinking of of this um, interconnectedness with uh, the Holy Spirit and with the Trinity, I wanted to point out that the further that we get into the study of the doctrines of Scripture, the more I see how the the doctrines are interwoven, and uh, it's the further we get along into it, we see them uh, speaking to uh, other other doctrines and and the consistency and the and the connectivity of it. It's something that we've referred to when we talked about bibliology is is the connectedness of the Bible. But I'm finding out more and more as we dig into these doctrines uh, how much uh, how deeply that they're connected. So I just thought I'd make that little, commercial for, <laughs> for the doctrines yeah. that we're teaching. So in, in the session that I taught on the works of the Spirit, um, I was trying to communicate what I thought the Holy Spirit might look like if he were a person. And the person that came to my mind was a gentleman that used to work here at the church, and, and I won't say his name, but uh, he worked at IBC for many years. Uh, with building maintenance, just taking care of the physical plant and and helping people with um, w- with things all over the church. And, and I described him as someone who was humble, someone who was a skilled workman. Um, he was he faithfully respond faithfully responded to the needs of the congregation. He loved God's people, and he loved the church and loved serving. And he served us because he loves us. And I. Think of that as a picture of the Holy Spirit who loves God, the Godhead, and out of the overflow of that love within the Godhead, he loves the people of God and loves uh, the body of Christ. And just like this fellow that used to work here at the church, he was always working. Mm. And that is the Holy Spirit. He is always everywhere eternally working out the will of the Father. In addition uh, to to that, uh, he has uh, many works that we talked about. That uh, many things that he does with respect uh, to um, to the church with spiritual gifts, um, and his his work is just all encompassing because the will of the Father is all encompassing with God and His people. In addition, the Holy Spirit is recognized in 2 Peter 1.20 as the force behind the writing of Scripture. And this is what that passage says. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
And the word for carried along means to be moved or to be prompted. So it was the Holy Spirit moving and prompting the minds of the nearly 40 authors of the Bible to produce their letters, their poetry, their history, the prophecy, all of it. So the, the Spirit is totally competent to help us when we need to understand uh, the, the meaning of Scripture when we study because he knows it. He, he wrote it. And Jesus told his disciples that the Spirit would teach them in, in John, in John 14 and 16, and bring to their remembrance the things that, that Jesus had said. And, and Jesus said he would guide them into all truth. And this is uh, part of the work of the Spirit in believers. But um, as, as I said when I, when I taught this section of it, uh, I almost entitled my talk, The Holy Spirit is a Busy Guy, <laughs> and he is always busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that what you just said, that they're, that they're so intertwined, that's what I was thinking too, because as you're talking about the work of the Spirit, that's pointing back to what we just said about his personhood, that he has the intellect and that he is able to communicate the truth of God to these men to write it down in the Bible, right? Yes. And so you can't – it was difficult separating these teachings, it is. I think, it, for that reason. It is. Because I, I kind of had to think, okay, Marty's going to get there. I don't have to get there because Marty's going to do it. But, yeah, you can't separate who is the Holy Spirit from what does he do because yes. it's just all intertwined. So Yeah, when you were teaching that night – and you were talking about, you know, this personality, the Holy Spirit, and then you were saying what he was, was doing. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking, wait a minute, that's what I'm supposed to do. I know. <laughs> but then then it clicked. Well, yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. He does w- who he is. Yeah. Or what he or who he is is what he does. Mm-hmm. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. Yep. Well, Marty, you talked about some of the works, but the Holy Spirit, you know, is involved in our salvation. And um, as as someone who is actually a student in the class, and we I just I just finished doing questions around um, some of these concepts in salvation, like regeneration and justification and sanctification. So, can you tell us more about the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration, or how the Holy Spirit is involved in the work of regeneration, or what that is, regeneration? It is uh, something that we cannot become Christians without. It's the spark plug, really, of our mm-hmm. salvation. I guess we don't That's have spark plugs to... in cars anymore so much, but um, <laughs> it, it's the starter. It's the starter for it. In John 3, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And he went on to say that what is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. And Paul talks about the flesh being an enemy of God's, at enmity with God. So my flesh, that sinful part of me, my sin nature, um, before we are born again, is in rebellion against God, that we are traitors against the rightful ruler of the universe. And really, when God tells us we must do something, we say, no, I'm not going to do it. Every time. We I are do. opposed in our flesh to, to the rule of God. So before the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, 
We're like the old Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way. That's that's who we are. And the reformers called this total depravity, which I think is a great term. You, it, you almost want to hear a rock drop when you hear that. <laughs> of ourselves in our flesh, we are so depraved and evil that we have not the slightest desire for God, for anything having to do with God. God has to do something radical to us and in us to make us new and different so that we can recognize our pathetic situation and our poverty of spirit because we do not even want to change until God works in us. And that he does through the Holy Spirit to bring us to repentance. And that is what regeneration is. The word regeneration means to begin again. And that is exactly what happens. We get a do-over, more or less. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, he allows us to see. We are blind before that. He allows us to see our sinful state um, and understand that Jesus died for our sins. He allows us to, to have the vision for that and that, di- that Jesus died to change us and to make us new. And the Spirit within us gives, that, uh, gives us that desire. The, the Old Testament talks about taking out a heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh, uh, flesh in the sense of it's capable of loving, worshiping, and obeying God. So we start out once we have been regenerated as newborn babies longing for the milk of the Word. So the event that we call salvation begins with regeneration. We're given, given a new heart, a new inner man that is now a suitable home for the Spirit who comes to indwell us. Boom. Uh, in order to give us what uh, theologians call progressive sanctification which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Can I jump in for a second? Yeah, please do. Because I'm, I'm, I don't know, the Holy Spirit is reminding me, I guess, of a question, another question that we did have come up on one of our question cards. And so I'm throwing it to you, Marty, but sure. I think you know the answer. But um, so does faith come before regeneration yeah. or after regeneration? Faith comes after regeneration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that is, it, when you read about total depravity, that's what they're saying that, 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 we are in our inner man hostile to the things of God, and there's no home for faith in our hearts until the Holy Spirit works in us. You know, I don't think I really appreciated that until I started diving into this talk of regeneration. I'd heard about it, but I think I have a new appreciation for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We would be lost. In fact, I just read a comment uh, by R.C. Sproul yesterday that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be born again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to think we would choose God. We want to think that. But really, besides just looking at our own heart, you know, if you just look at, you know, if you study the Old Testament for, for very long at all, you, you can't come to that. I mean, Adam and Eve were in the perfect garden mm-hmm. <laughs> with everything perfect, and they rebelled against God. Yes. And then I look at the ark. God wiped off the ark and put Noah in them. And then I always say, like, it's like how fast can we sin once we get off Mm -hmm. the ark? Yes. Yes. And you just see that over and over again throughout the history of Israel and the Old Testament. Um, So we want to think that we would have the faith in shoes, but that's not true. And you're right. 
but for the work of the Holy Spirit, we rebel again. We are in con- can, we just always rebel against God. And in that passage about Noah and the ark, it says that their thoughts were on evil continually. And that is... Totally, and that's after totally, they just saw yeah, what God yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, what we want, when we think we want to come to God, what, we're, what we want is to come to God on our terms mm-hmm. and not on His. And God's just not going to do that. He doesn't have to. He's God. Yeah. Well, that, and that's still rebellion. It is still rebellion. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Well, Marty, we kind of danced around it, but w- w- let's talk a little bit about justification and sanctification. I heard you mention sanctification a minute ago. Um, so what's the difference between those two, and how's the Holy Spirit involved? Sure. Sure. So the event that we call salvation begins with regeneration. We're given a new heart, new inner man. That's a home for the spirit um, to give us progressive sanctification. So uh, in regeneration, we recognize our need for Christ's work on the cross. So on the cross, Jesus stood between us and the wrath of God. In fact, he took on himself the wrath of God, and that is called propitiation. I was going to say, I knew that. Hey, all right. You are scoring big today, Bethany. God's wrath. (laughs) That's right, appeasement. He appeased the wrath of God. He drank the cup of of wrath to the dregs, is is what some people say. And... uh, in redemption, Jesus pays the ransom for the debt of decrees against us in exchange for our freedom from, from sin. So he, he uh, propitiates the wrath of God, and then he pays for our redemption for, from our sinfulness by defeating sin. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he, meaning God, made him, Jesus, to be sin." This just wipes me out. To be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that is justification, a complete work of grace where our sin is laid on Christ and we receive the righteousness that he attained by uh, faithfully following the law on every point when he lived. As so a, we as a man. have right standing and righteousness because of what Christ did that's on right. the cross. He, he gives us his righteousness, and that's called justification. And now that all of that has happened, we are no longer enemies of God. Now we're reconciled to God, and we have everlasting peace with God. So we were enemies of God. The Spirit regenerated us, gave us a new heart so we could receive the propitiation, redemption, and justification that Jesus won on the cross, and he reconciles us to God. But wait a minute. We know that The we Holy Spirit is not done. <laughs> he is not done because we know that we still sin. And if you read Romans chapter 7 lately, Paul wrestled with this. And there's a theological precept that recognizes that we're simultaneously righteous and at the same time a sinner. We possess the righteousness of God the Son, so we are positionally Positionally. sanctified, Mm -hmm. holy, and set apart, but we are also progressively sanctified. So what does it mean to be sanctified? Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, sanctification is the work of God's free free grace whereby we are renewed 
and this is this is the important part, and we are enabled more and more to die to sin and live to righteousness. That's uh, the Westminster. So we will not be fully sanctified until we reach heaven, until we're glorified. But through the indwelling spirit, we learn to turn from the love of sin to the love of God. And in this way, we obey the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind. And Jesus said, if we love him, we'll obey him. And this is also the work of the Holy Spirit. So 1 Thessalonians says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, for God has not called us to impurity, but holiness. Holiness is the destination. Progressive sanctification is the path. So we learn to walk in the Spirit and do the things that please God the Father and give the glory to Christ. Mm. Yeah, and I think that holiness, you know, as we think about the attributes of God too, you know, holiness is one of those attributes that is communicable, which means we're called to holiness. Mm -hmm. We will never be to the same degree as God, but we're, we are supposed to be growing in holiness. And the only way that we do that is through the work of the Holy Spirit right. sanctifying us. Yes, yes. Um, but I wanted to see if you would mention the illustration that you used for sanctification. Oh, yes. Really? In class. <laughs> yeah. We can cut it if you get emotional, but I don't... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's worth I will it. get emotional. No, because Marty is like the queen of illustrations. <laughs> I have like... I don't know. Is there is there this like godly envy for one. wanting to be like you in that way? No. But no, this was such a good illustration, really. So if you would share it with sure, us, that'd be sure. Great. Um, for an English class I had many years ago, I I read a book called The Worn Path by a Southern writer named Eudora Welty, and the story is about uh, an elderly black woman who lived, I think it's like in the in the early 50s, maybe the late 40s, and she lived uh, in, you know, out in the boonies, probably in Alabama. I mean, the, the story doesn't exactly say, but in this very dense woods. And in the story, we find that she is walking through the woods and she is going to town. And it's it's a very unique kind of story and she's talking to the trees and she's talking she talks to the snake that she sees as she's walking along and tells him to get out of her way and that she's got some place that she needs to go and and um she's very determined and um she she is on this on this path to to the town and so uh, she finally arrives in the town, and of course she's not greeted very warmly because she was a black woman, and she just was not uh, treated well, you know, to the shame of those people. But um, she arrives at the doctor's office, and we find out that she has come to get medication for her grandson. And it, and then in the story, then she has to turn around and go all the way back, you know, several miles to her home. And then we realize that the name of the story is The Worn Path, The Worn Path. And so it is a path that she has to walk frequently, you know, not daily perhaps, but time after time after time to get this medicine for her grandson who, I didn't, I didn't say this, but uh, he had lost his eyesight um, due to an accident. And, you know, it's just so um, compelling. But the thing that, that I did was I likened the idea of her um, 
going on this worn path, walking it over again and again, that we need in in our sanctification to have a worn path that we walk over and uh, and over again. And to me, that is the Word of God, Mm -hmm. that we want to wear out our Bibles and that that is a worn path for us. Yeah. Thank you. That was that was so vivid, it wasn't was, it, Bethany, yeah. that night in class? Mm-hmm. Um, just a great illustration. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. You know, as I was speaking of the Holy Spirit, I was studying and preparing, and I don't know when the last time was that I read this book, but it just popped into my mind. And I thought, well, okay, that might make a good illustration. That's what the Holy Spirit does, that's, right? Uh, does. That is what He does. Yeah, I was thinking just even thinking about getting ready for today. Just, uh, I'm so grateful for the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, not just in my own life, but if I think about um, sharing the gospel with other people, you know, it takes the burden off of you that you feel like you have to have all the perfect right words because it's a work of the Holy Spirit that does the regeneration or even in sanctification, you know, I have my little kids and they're, they're doing things and I think, gosh, I need to be a better mom and, and do this better. And that is true, you know, but at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work of sanctification. The Lord can use me, but it's the Holy Spirit's work. Um, so, you know, we can talk about all of these theological ideas and and terms, but um, in a very practical way, the Holy Spirit is just such a part of our everyday, even if we don't see it. Um, and I'm so grateful that he, that he's our helper, you know, and our comforter, as you said, Marty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> well, this seems like a good place to end our discussion today. So we hope you enjoyed this mini season and our plan is to come out with season three in the summer. So make sure that you like and follow and subscribe all the things to the podcast so that you can get those new episodes when they come out. The Theology Matters course and podcast are projects of the women's ministry at Emanuel Bible Church in Springfield, Virginia. Please subscribe to Theology Matters wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, please visit ibc.church and find the women's ministry page. We pray you will continue to study and understand the truth of God's word every day and see just how much theology matters in every aspect of our lives.